Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Dr. Stephen Barrett has been called the Serpico of medical misinformation. He is a trained psychiatrist, uh, but has become more famous, perhaps, for his writing, his consumer advocacy. Uh, Much of it was conducted until fairly recently from his home in eastern Pennsylvania, but he now lives in the Research Triangle area of North Carolina. He has written, according to my count, uh, well over 40 books. Depends on how you count. I counted more than 50 books, actually. Uh, but I first came to know him through a website he's got called quackwatch.com. Quackwatch was recently uh, taken over by the Center for Inquiry, a nonprofit group dedicated to debunking scientific misinformation. Um, Dr. Stephen Barrett uh, joins us uh, on the phone from his home in North Carolina. Good morning, Dr. Barrett. Uh, good morning. Yeah, uh, th- This, uh, unfortunately is, as I was telling you off the air, I, I have a friend who his in-laws are currently in the hospital with COVID-19. Uh, they are unvaccinated. And when he asked them, well, why didn't you get vaccinated? They, they said, well, we don't know what's in the vaccine, but but they're asking their doctor for monoclonal antibodies. I said, have you asked them if they know what's in monoclonal antibodies? He said, no, but they get all of their medical information from Facebook and YouTube. Uh, this is kind of a golden age, unfortunately. For, for medical misinformation, isn't it? That must be very frustrating to you. Yes, it is, but I've learned to live with that kind of frustration. Um, that there's an awful lot of quackery, and I do what I can to oppose it, but it's tough. It, it's a little bit like bailing out the, the ocean with a thimble. Now, you uh, were a practicing uh, psychiatrist for 35 years. Uh, your degree, your bachelor's is from uh, Columbia University, I believe, and your MD is from the Columbia College. Uh, of physicians and surgeons, uh, w- what inspired you to devote uh, so much of your life and your research career to debunking this kind of medical quackery? Uh, I read some books in the, in the um, late 1960s that got me annoyed, and by sheer luck, I happened to uh, move to a community where my dentist was involved in a, a battle for fluoridation with um, major forces that kept lying and saying it was dangerous. And similar to um, anti-vaccination today, uh, he and I decided to start a, a, a luncheon group and made it known that what we were going to do, turned out 40 people came and <laughs> we formed a discussion group that eventually became a local nonprofit corporation. And then uh, a network grew up that grew into a national corporation in 1983. So um, I uh, began operating at a national level and, and did so for uh, many years. When the Internet came along, uh, I found that I didn't have to rely upon um, getting news media to uh, express myself. And then I began uh, building a web presence, which uh, 
That should be pretty good. It is an amazing web presence, uh, quackwatch.org. Uh, I think I may have said .com, but it's at quackwatch.org. It's now part of the Center for Inquiry, and it is the uh, creation of its founder, Dr. Stephen Barrett, who is on the phone with us this morning. H- how did you find time to treat patients? Because you were a practicing uh, a, a psychiatrist for years. How, how, how much of your time was spent um, with your practice, and, and what increasing time was spent with your research? Well, starting in the early 1970s, I began spending a few hours a week on this quackery investigation. And then over a period of uh, um, maybe 20-some uh, years, um, I began cutting down bit by bit with psychiatry and expanding bit by bit what I did with my uh, investigations and and writing. And the, the total number of hours I worked was probably in the range of 60 to 70 a week. So I was able to work um, nearly full-time as a psychiatrist for a long time and then gradually um, uh, cut down. I worked uh, um, for... Um, I had the advantage of not being on call very much because I worked mostly for community clinics, but I had a private practice as well. You are a you you are and are a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, not a psychotherapist. But I will ask this question anyways. It, what is it in the human condition or in the human mind that predisposes us to to want to look for quack cures or or, or, or quack science? Well, I guess uh, people have uh, some ten- that people have a tendency toward wishful thinking, mm-hmm. but the. Um, the vulnerability to false information varies from person to person. Some people have better backgrounds in science. Some people are more prone to wishful thinking. Um, some people um, simply are uh, uneducated and don't know who to trust. I think what happens is that, for practical purposes, is that people tend to believe what they hear the most. And so, um, as various messages compete, uh, people tend to uh, listen to the one that they hear the most. Now, some people, for various reasons, uh, have a higher level of distrust or natural distrust. Some people are annoyed with government intrusion, and they have anti-government feelings that the quacks um, uh, take advantage of by saying, well, you can't trust the government to this or that when you should be. I mean, the governments aren't perfect, but the government health agencies tend to be very good sources of information. The Food and Drug Administration is really out to protect consumers, but it's possible that, I mean, there are some people who just um, uh, have an antagonism or alienation from from um, anything that has to do with government or industry or whatever it is that they're alienated from. Talking with Dr. Stephen Barrett this morning, uh, he is the founder of quackwatch.org, which is uh, a website devoted to debunking uh, medical misinformation, quackery, and outright fraud in, in some cases you've documented. It has recently become part of the Center for Inquiry. Uh, Dr. Stephen Barrett joins us from his home in, in North Carolina. Let me interrupt you for just a second, Doctor, and, and play devil's advocate, which is probably something you've heard more than once over your 40-plus years of, of debunking this sort of stuff. I, I was talking with a local doctor here in, in our McKeesport area, and she deals with a lot of patients who are black or of people of color. 
And she said one of the things that she heard in the early stages of, of the vaccination push here for COVID-19 was um, uh, black folks legitimately asking her, well, why should I trust the white doctors? Why should I trust the white medical establishment? And she said more than one person, especially older folks, brought up to her, for instance, the Tuskegee uh, Institute. Uh, syphilis experiments that were done on, on on black folks back in the, I believe, 1940s, 1930s era. Uh, is some skepticism warranted? I mean, is some suspicion warranted sometimes? I think it's important to have um, the right level of trust and mistrust. And if you mm-hmm. don't have the right level, um, you can get into trouble. And you also have to learn who to trust. And if you don't pick the right uh, I call them health anchors to trust. Um, you're pretty much on your own, and you wind up. Uh, let's put it another way: if you have trust, a good a good sense of trust, uh, it's like rowing a boat with a rudder. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who to trust, you don't have a rudder. You can row like hell, and you're just going to go in circles. So, so it, the untrustworthy people. Um, have been able to achieve a platform in the last few years. The, the, un, the untrustworthy people have been able to achieve a platform in the last few years that's unprecedented. And one of the reasons is that, um, um, I guess the main factor, uh, President Trump was you know, the huh. chief misinformation officer for the world. Um, he was He's a habitual liar and... Uh, undermined the scientific community um, at every opportunity, promoted conspiracy theories, and so on. And um, he's done more to damage uh, public health than anyone who's ever lived. The the other thing that occurs to me is that for uh, social media in particular, Facebook, uh, whose business model is built on advertising, YouTube, their business model is built on on advertising, uh, it's profitable for them to to push controversy. It's hard to understand um, what um, Facebook is doing. I actually was contacted by the Facebook policy team about two years ago, and they asked me to identify the most dangerous forms of quackery so they could set up an algorithm <laughs> to try to prevent it from being spread. And I said, you're asking the wrong question. Um, what you need to look at is who's promoting the false information and then make it impossible. In other words, deplatform them. Yeah. That's the only way to stop it, because because you can't go after misinformation one statement at a time, and you can't do it with an algorithm. And there's been there's been excellent research that's identified the groups that are putting out information. Um, the Center for Countering Digital Hate has put out a marvelous report about what they call the disinformation dozen <laughs> a dozen um, individuals who are uh, the dominant forces in the misinformation. That's that's killing people today. And uh, Facebook has made some effort um, to um, reduce what they're doing, but they don't get it. Um, there's only one, one way to, to change things, and uh, that's to de-platform the people who are spreading misinformation. Uh, we saw how this worked when uh, uh, Twitter... Uh, Block Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> yeah. Had a tremendous, calm, you know, cutting down of, of of false information. That's the only way to do it. It reduced and a I, lot of people's I, blood I, pressure. I, I probably that the guy who runs Twitter 
had lots and lots of people contact him, including me, uh, urging him to do this and also to do it with anti-vaccination. And it took him, um, you know, I guess, what was it? It took the January 6th right. riot in Washington yeah. to persuade him that maybe he should do something. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know if the motivation is commercial or, um, or um, simply the belief that um, we should have free access to um, information roots. Um, I have tried very hard to persuade um, Facebook that free access is very dangerous, that you want to have free access. What you want to have is no government interference with access, but Facebook is a, is a private corporation and um, as a, should do the same thing that a, a theater manager would do if somebody got up and shouted fire. <laughs> it wasn't a fire. And, you know, yeah. th- that's the problem. In order to, in order to, to correct the situation, um, you have to shut down um, the social media. So you have to shut down the ability of people to use the so- social media to spread false information. And that's very difficult. And as one of my friends, uh, Paul Offit, said, um, it's very easy to scare people. It's very hard to unscare them. Once the bell has been rung, we have to take a 30-second break. When we come back, I, I want to examine more this issue of trust, of, of how to figure out who the sources are that you can uh, trust. And, and also, I want to ask you a little bit more about the Center for Combating Hate, because that is uh, new information uh, for me, Okay. We are talking this morning with Dr. Stephen Barrett. He's the founder of quackwatch.org, your guide to quackery, health fraud, and intelligent decisions. We're going to talk about his uh, more than 40 years of research into medical fraud and also about what do we do and in, in what really does seem to be a golden age for, for medical fraud, especially when it comes to COVID-19 misinformation and vaccine misinformation. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes and Tube City Online Radio. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 412-678-6191. We were talking uh, before the break, Dr. Barrett, about uh, the issue of trust. I know when it came to, to COVID-19, I have a family doctor who I have treated with for, oh, golly, 30 years, I, I guess now. And, you know, I asked him, should I get vaccinated? And he said, unquestionably, yes. And I said, what vaccine should I get? And he said, whatever one is the first available. And when I talked to him about the booster, he said, I said the same thing. You know, what booster should I get? He said, whatever one you can get an appointment for. So, so I have always felt that I could trust him to, to ask him. But not everyone has a, a family doctor or not every, you know, health insurance in this country is very complicated, let's say. So how do people figure out who they can trust for medical information? Well, um, I call such a person a health anchor. Mm-hmm. And you can have one or more anchors. Uh, generally speaking, uh, government agencies are trustworthy for health information. Uh, maybe not for some things, but for health, I would I would trust what the FDA says. I would trust what the Center for Disease Control says. I would trust what um, state health departments say. 
Um, most doctors are trustworthy, um, and um, most uh, uh, profession, uh, major professional organizations are trustworthy. They have websites. There are good voluntary uh, agencies, and um, Quackwatch.org has um, several articles on who not to trust. It's easier actually to say who you shouldn't trust. You okay. should not trust people who advise everyone to take vitamins. You should not. Nowadays, you should not trust anyone who who um, opposes uh, public health measures. Um, the funny thing is that the, um, the people who I would consider um, blackberry promoters are easier now to identify than at any other time in my lifetime because almost all of them have come out against vaccination. So basically, if somebody comes out against vaccination, um, that person should become non-existent to you. Where does that come from, the anti-vaccination? I, I remember this issue first, it seemed to me, first rising up in, in around 1999-2000 with the uh, what turned out to be very flawed, fraudulent research out of England um, into the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. Um, that flawed study, although it has been debunked many times by both British and American medical authorities, people keep raising that to me. They keep saying, well, what about the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine? That's dangerous, isn't it? And I say, no. <laughs> as, 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 well, as Paul Alfred said, uh, it's hard to, to unscare people. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's hard to do it on a community-wide basis. If you were to try to take an individual, what I would do is to try to draw them out as to source of your information, try to find out the way they think. It's like peeling an onion to try to get to the bottom. And um, they may have uh, closed off or, or not. So it's very difficult to, um, there's been so much uh, uh, nonsense and reinforcement of nonsense. Uh, people have, a large percentage of people in the United States have all kinds of beliefs about uh, conspiracies. And how do you prove that Something is not taking place. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. All I know is that it would help if uh, Facebook and the other social media uh, woke up and stopped spreading the misinformation. Stop becoming a. Uh, it would help if Facebook and the other social media stopped being uh, conduits for misinformation. That's tough to do, but. Uh, if they wanted to, they could do an awful lot. We're talking with Dr. Stephen Barrett. Uh, his website, quackwatch.org, has recently become part of the nonprofit Center for Inquiry. You can find it, obviously, at quackwatch.org. It is a clearinghouse of, of all sorts of really interesting articles. You can really spend a lot of time on the website reading about, um, as as you say, you call them health schemes, scams, and frauds. Um, one thing that Again, let me play devil's advocate because we're on two federally licensed radio stations here. Um, the federal government about 25, 30 years ago took a stand that it was not going to regulate the content or, or format of, of radio stations. I'm a professional journalist myself since I was in college. Um, I you know, believe in the First Amendment, believe in, in freedom of speech. Um, some people who would hear what you're saying and say, well, he's advocating censorship. He's advocating that we shouldn't have freedom of speech. Um, what's the response to that? It depends what kind of freedom of speech you're talking about. Mm -hmm. the, 
the gov no, I would advocate against government censorship, mm -hmm. but there are there are limits. Um, if you have um, there are there is some speech that's illegal. You can't get up and and, and create a, a a clear danger by yelling fire in a theater, in a in a crowded theater when there's no fire. That's against the law. But the speech we're, I'm talking about. The channels are not government channels; they're private channels, yeah. and and the um, uh, they are not um, uh, blocking speech. They're just simply saying, if you want to speak, you know, if you want to tell lies, do it somewhere else. It doesn't stop people from expressing themselves. What it does is saying you can't come into um, my house and lie. Yeah, if you want to lie, go somewhere else. Is that an advocacy of um, speech suppression? Not at all. It's an it's an it's an advocacy of responsible speech. And you say, well, nobody should ever make that judgment. Yeah, well, you can see what happens. Millions of people have died as a result of of COVID misinformation. And um, and what, what and the people who talk who who, who take the question as you just did um they think that people should die you know millions of people should die in order to preserve some kind of uh, twisted view of free speech no thanks we have another break coming up. The time goes uh, quickly. Um, Lily Tomlin um, was quoted one time as saying, no matter how cynical you become, it's almost impossible to keep up. Uh, were you surprised when uh, one of the things that surprised me, and I, I had an argument actually with someone who used to work for one of these very radio stations that were on about masking. He was trying to tell me that masks don't work. I said, you have you, you maintain the transmitters of these radio stations and they have air filters on them. You don't think a, an air filter keeps dirt out of the transmitter. You don't think a mask will keep a, a surgical mask will keep uh, par particles of COVID out of your, you know, of SARS of a vaccine, a vi virus rather out of your breathing apparatus. I, I was surprised even as cynical as I am. I was surprised by the anti-masking uh, argument, which is going on right now. Still, I, I'm, su I'm surprised, I guess, maybe less so by the vaccine, anti-vaccine arguments that are going on. Uh, were, were you surprised at all, or, or are, are you cynical enough to say you, you kind of expected it? Uh, I would say I was somewhat surprised. I know that there's, you know, there's a certain percentage of, of people um, in this country that I consider to be um, largely nuts. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the the size of the. I mean, I'm surprised that the percentage of people who have adopted uh, nutty conspiracy theories and nutty COVID theories. The percentage um, is, um, it does surprise me. It, it, it frightens me and it, it saddens me. And I think a lot of it um, uh, is the result of the politicizing of COVID, that somehow the, you know, the, a large part of the Republican Party um, has decided that it's in their political interest to um, promote misinformation, and um, as a result, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die 
probably most of them will be Republicans. Let's let's pause right there. We're talking with Dr. Stephen Barrett. He has spent uh, more than more than 40 years of his career uh, debunking um, medical BS, let's say. I think we can say that on the radio. Uh, perhaps his uh, crowning achievement, in my opinion, uh, is quackwatch.org, which is a website devoted to debunking uh, health fraud and quackery. But he's also the author or co-editor of more than 50 books. You can find out more information about him at quackwatch.org. Org, which has recently, uh, just this year, his research library has become part of the Center for Inquiry in Washington, D.C. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. You talked about the role of education. How do you educate someone who presumably is educated? They're just miseducated or maleducated. I don't have the answer. Yeah. My humble approach is to try to draw them out, but I haven't found most people who have those kinds of beliefs have any interest in having um, that kind of a conversation. And frankly, I'm not sure I want to spend the time um, on an individual basis. I think the most practical thing is, is to try to attack the continuous um, uh, beating on our society rather than, I think the emphasis should be on trying to, to deplatform yeah. the false information um, rather than to try to persuade uh, individuals. And um, it may be that, um, I mean, some individuals are persuaded by getting COVID. I don't know what it'll take. Uh, trying to persuade the unpersuadable may be a, a, a lost cause. And and ha- have you found that some people actually become more hardened in their beliefs once they're challenged? I haven't had that much experience. I okay. don't know. But I can tell you there have been actual studies where um, um, scientific organizations have, or professional organizations have tried to run public anti-vaccine, I'm sorry, public campaigns to promote um, vaccination, and they found out, they, they attacked the misinformation and found that the misinformation level among the public went up because they heard it. So there's research going on as to uh, how uh, how to um, actually persuade people um, to make smarter decisions. I don't know how that's going to wind up. So, so what you're saying, and I, we're just about out of time, but what you're saying is that the very act of repeating the misinformation about whatever it is reinforces for some people's minds, because they've heard it somewhere, rather than it being debunked, it's being reinforced. Yes, and I, I think the emphasis should be on trying to persuade Facebook, YouTube, and so on um, to get tougher. And they've, they've done some good things. I mean, they They've made some restrictions, but just not enough. There, there are so many good resources out there on the Internet. I, I've mentioned yours uh, several times. I have all this information at my fingertips that is good information, but then there's all this dross and sludge. Give us uh, just a couple of tips on how people can be smart consumers. You mentioned having having a health anchor, having someone that you can go to for, for information. What are some other uh, tips to be a smarter medical consumer? Well, I would suggest going to Quackwash and spending yeah. um several hours reading about how to spot bad information. Um, The the best way, it's very difficult to um, outline how to be absolutely sure that your anchor is reliable. 
However, it's very simple to point out how to spot bad information. <laughs> and if you avoid um, most sources of bad information that are easily spottable, um, the chances are you'll come out okay. Yeah, we, we are out of time. It has been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for the, the amazing work that you have been doing and continue to do over the last uh, 40 or 50 years. You can sign up for uh, Dr. Stephen Barrett's free newsletter, Consumer Health Digest, at his website, quackwatch.org, where you can also find out more information about uh, his physical archives. Now we're located in Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, Quackwatch is now part of the Center for Inquiry, which is a nonprofit scientific organization in Washington. D.C. And Dr. Stephen Barrett, uh, who was formerly from eastern Pennsylvania, but is now in the Research Triangle area of North Carolina, joined us uh, from his home this morning. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with you and uh, to talk with us this morning. And uh, happy New Year to you and your wife. Uh, you too, and thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening this morning to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.